We started this podcast because there's one very important question that we want to answer. Is Adam Sandler a good actor? We figured there's really only one way for us to find out. Watch every single Adam Sandler movie ever made, rank them best to worst, and then make a totally subjective decision based on little to no measurable criteria. On each episode, we're going to cover one movie from the Sandman's catalog, going in chronological order until we've watched every single one. I have a microphone, and you don't. So you Shabadoo, and welcome back to Sandman into the Sandlerverse. I'm one of your hosts, Ruben Escobedo. I'm the other host, Andrew Tucker. What do we? Uh, t- I uh, today's going to be interesting. <laughs> I can tell you're so excited already. I, I, I wanted to love this movie. I really did because I was like, oh, it's like a comedy classic. Like it's a cult. It's a blah blah blah. It is. It sucks. I disagree with you. <laughs> I think it's pretty good. I think it's got its fair share of problems, <laughs> both structurally and thematically. But I still liked it. Oh God, what did we did we say the movie yet? What we did we... not. Today's movie is Coneheads. <sighs> it's the first in our head to head series. Head to head, yeah. Because after this is going to be Airheads, and that's much more fun. That we me. just learned it has like five of the same actors in it. So yeah, this might just be the continuation of this. <laughs> so yeah, we're talking about Coneheads. Which was directed by Steve Barron. Okay. And I did a little Googling on Mr. Barron. I don't. Ooh. And I found some things that he directed prior to this movie. And I want prior? to share them with you. Prior. Okay. Prior to this movie. He directed in 1982. Okay. The music video for Africa by Toto. What the hell? Yes. I know. That song's got a music video? It does. And he directed it. He uh. also directed... The music video for Billy Jean by Michael Jackson. What? And Summer of 69 <laughs> by Brian Adams. Nice. And Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. Dude, and this dude's a freaking, like, guy. Take on me. What? Yep. Aha. It's more surprising that's all the same guy. Yeah, all you know the what I mean? same like, guy. That's all the same guy. And there are many more. He did a lot of Madonna videos. What's he been doing now? I have no idea. Probably in jail. I stopped scrolling <laughs> at July 23rd, 1993, because that's when Coneheads came out. And he just kept going? No, probably. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I'm just, that's wild. Yeah. That's like, that's a really good, like, track record. Yeah, so he was like a music video guy. And then they were like, hey, we saw Billy Jean. You'd be perfect. For this movie about cone-headed space people who crash in the water outside of New York City. And it's Dan Aykroyd. It is. And that that brings us to the writers, which include Dan Aykroyd, as well as Tom Davis, Bonnie Turner, and Terry Turner. Okay. The Turners came in to make it better after Tom Davis and Dan Aykroyd finished their first draft and people were like, huh, this sucks. Yeah, they were like, there's a little too much government in this movie. So, and Dan Aykroyd was like, "Don't worry, I'm gonna do another movie about about government workers." He's like, "What do you mean, too much government?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whoa, um, yeah. So, 
the movie starred, as we've alluded to, Dan Aykroyd, which shouldn't be shocking. Yeah. Jane Curtin. Yeah. Michelle Burke. Yeah. Michael McKean. Yeah. Sinbad. Yeah. David Spade. Yeah. And Chris Farley. Yeah, you said now you said starred. Yes, Chris Farley. I consider to be a starring no, no, character I, in this. Yeah, no, I would agree with you, but. I feel like we could just keep back and forthing the list. Yeah, there's about a million other famous people in this movie. This movie has probably the best cast of any comedy film I've ever seen. I would you agree? Like, like yeah, it's stacked. It is the most stacked cast I've ever. Like Wes Anderson movies would cream their jeans looking at this cast. They would. <laughs> like they'd be like, whoa. Like who's like who's missing? You know what I mean? Yeah. Bill Murray. Yeah, he's not there. Harold Ramis, that kind of circle isn't right. there. But, like, you have, what, three or four generations of SNL in this movie? Yeah, you've got current and former SNL people in it at the same time, which didn't happen very often. No, like, then. the crossover of the original cast of, like, you know, Dan Aykroyd, Jane Curtin, that era, with the Adam Sandler, Chris Farley cast did not really happen. No. Which is wild. And you know what's insane is I just said that David Spade and Chris Farley are in this movie. Yeah. They never have a scene together in this movie. Yeah, they don't even... Well, mm, kind of. Sort of, but they don't act who, with each other. Who pulls the... the or when, when Chris Farley crashes the motorcycle? Who I think pull, it's Michael McKean. But you're getting ahead of yourself. I am. I'm just like... That's they, don't, a, they don't speak to each other. That's so weird. Yeah. So maybe they're in the same scene, but they don't actually... Well, I, a lot of the, the, the frat pack Sandler crew does not interact with each other. Yeah, I mean, Adam Sandler's barely in this movie. I think we should say that right off the top. <laughs> this is an Adam Sandler podcast. And, and he uh, shows up. He shows up at the 12-minute mark, and he leaves at the 13-minute mark. <laughs> and he says about six things while he's there. Yeah. I just realized something. Okay. Does he have more screen time in Dog Police than he does in this? No, I think it's probably about the same. <laughs> it's just more spread out in Dog Police. He has two scenes in Dog Police. Yes, but they're shorter, so, you know. It, oh, my yeah. gosh. So, I, I've prepared yeah. a, a lovely outline for you. I am okay. leading this week's Yeah, episode. this isn't yours. Uh, we are both going to be drinking an entire bottle of Skullhead Vodka. <laughs> While we do this episode. You know I have one. I know you have one. It's, it's, it's signed. signed. I think we'll I... bring that up on every episode. So far, we've done it on half of them. Um, yeah, I, I was wondering if he ever made conehead-shaped skulls full of vodka, because that would have been a smart choice, I think. You say that, and, like, I can see it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I can see the visual. Like, I can see that in my head, but I'm like, there's no way. Well, I have watched Ancient Aliens, so you've probably seen it like that. But, yeah, I mean, why not, right? There's more room for him to sign the forehead. Yeah. So. You'd also kind of think that he would just do, like, a skull of, like, every famous movie. You know what I mean? Like, do one with, like, the Blues Brothers hat. Do one with, like, the go the Ghostbusters goggles. Yeah. That would be a great way for him to continue making money <laughs> by doing almost nothing at all. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't Because he's not it. blowing the glass himself. <laughs> no, he, he just sits there and then gets high. He's and just then there and like... grunts and fucking... <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah. All right. Well... With that lovely image in your head. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd grunting. <laughs> Are you ready to begin? Oh, uh, God, kind of. Okay. We start things off in some kind of, like, National Guard observation room. Yes. And this dude is supposedly monitoring a bunch of radar and important-looking computer <laughs> dials. Yes. But he's actually just watching Star Trek. Yes. Specifically, he's watching Kirk fight the Gorn. Yeah, which 
I don't know if I've ever actually watched that scene with like the audio on. That is the most sexual noise. Oh I've yeah, there's heard. a lot of like. <laughs> yeah, like it's just the Gorn is like. Ugh. Yeah, it's it, like... it is weird when he tells the Gorn he's coming. Yeah, that part pulled me I'm out of the episode. Coming. <laughs> I'm coming. Um, wow. Uh, it, just also a note for people making sci-fi content: like you don't have to put that scene. In your movie, because it's already in that show. Yeah, yeah, we all know. It's okay. We all know about that. We all know about I Am Your Father. Like, it's not like a funny thing to make a character in a sci-fi movie watch another sci-fi thing. Yeah, like, I don't need to know that you know about other alien-related things. Like, it's okay. Just let me experience this one. You know? It's like on a zombie show when they're like, hey, what, what can we call zombies that's different from what any other zombie show called them? I thought that was because it was licensing. I genuinely thought the word zombie was owned by someone. Coca-Cola. <laughs> It'll make sense in about 20 years. Just wait. Oh, God. Keep drinking your Diet Coke and see what happens. Uh, folks, <laughs> the Diet Coke is going to turn you into a zombie. What is that voice? It sounds like Alex Jones, but it sounds like something. It's like It it's, is Alex Jones. It sounds like you're like Hulk or Trump like hulking out. You're like, folks. You're <laughs> That's what Alex Jones is, first yeah. of all. Hold out Trump. <laughs> I was working in my lab. The radiation got to me. I took the brains and the bronze. <laughs> See, now you're, you're turning into Chris Farley again. I know. Uh, it happens a lot. Uh, anyway, one of this guy's radar screens is blipping like a motherfucker. Yeah. And that's because the instruments have just detected a UFO yes. in American airspace, which is ours. Okay. Inside the ship, the aliens are bickering about being spotted, and the female alien blames the male alien for activating the cloaking device too late. And he's like, I can't remember everything. That's lit. Okay. That's literally their voices. I know. And it's like so grating. Like, I was hoping that maybe they would stop doing it halfway through the movie, and they just keep. Everyone does it. You know, okay. What? <laughs> What voice do you think is worse? Okay, that. Okay. Or the Mars Attacks aliens? I don't see a discernible difference, really. They're <laughs> close enough to me that I, and I haven't seen Mars Attacks in so long. Yeah. Just like, ah, 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 ah. yeah, I mean, they're one step away. <laughs> one step away. This is just like, ugh. I, I hated, hated the voices. Well, luckily for you, <laughs> I'm going to do that a bunch more times. Luckily for me, we are three minutes into the movie. Oh, I know. I know. And we're on my fourth bullet point. The National Guard sends fighter jets to intercept the UFO. And when it doesn't respond to their calls, one of the National Guard pilots shoots down the aircraft. I didn't know the National Guard had pilots. I learned something from this movie, which I didn't think would happen. At this point, there's some really, really fucking awful special effects. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Like mystery science theater level effects. And then the UFO crashes into the ocean off the coast of New Jersey. And for some reason, it happens in the background of a shot of two people making out on a bench. Which, okay, sure. Uh, we cut to the surface of the water, and the two aliens who survived the crash emerge from the ocean. Now, did you notice something that I noticed at this scene? Tell me what it is. So... They're in the foreground, and they're next to each other, and their two coneheads emerge. Okay. And do you realize what is in the background? No. The Twin Towers. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm like, is the joke that their heads are mimicking the Twin Towers? 
And I think it was. Well, it's a good thing they made this movie in the 90s. Um, <laughs> see what it did there? The The names of these alien creatures are oh. Beldar and Primat. I literally could not have told. I knew Beldar. I could not tell you that her name was Primat. Primat. And they have long cone-shaped heads. Yes. That's the name of the film. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they were sent to Earth by Highmaster to conquer the wilderness planet, which is what they call Earth. And turn it into a protoid refueling station, whatever the fuck that is. That sounds like a lot of Dan Aykroyd bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> like, it really does. Protoid like a... refueling station. He's like, oh, the ectoplasm and the protoid refueling station and uh, buy my vodka. Dan Aykroyd is a thesaurus for words that don't exist. <laughs> he just makes shit up. It's, it's fantastic. Um so, anyhow, with no way of returning to their home planet because the ship is in the bottom of the ocean, the planet is also called Remulac. This is important to remember later. The Coneheads spend the night at a shitty little motel operated by Kramer from Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. And when I say that, I mean Michael Richards, but I also have a theory that this person actually is Kramer from Seinfeld. Yeah, it's weird. It, he's, yeah, he just – And it's, I think he has one acting mode, and it's engaged. But have you ever seen the movie UHF? I have. He's not Kramer in that. He's like, well, I guess he is. He's just like stupid Kramer. Yeah, he's kind of, yeah. He's, he's Kramery all the time. Well, not all the time. <laughs> not all the time. <laughs> not at that one time. Uh, yeah. Talk uh, about racism. That, yeah, that was bad. Um, Michael Richards' character doesn't really seem weirded out by the Coneheads at all. No one does. No one does. That's a, It's an ongoing theme throughout this movie, and it's going to come up again. Um, he just sort of asks them basic checking into a hotel kinds of questions and he gives him a form to fill out and Beldar fills out the form with a pen which he knows how to use somehow but he does it really really quickly yeah um and he does it in this weird alien handwriting and then Michael Richards looks at the form and goes this is fine <laughs> like no <laughs> you have none of the information that you need uh a minute later he asks the coneheads how they're going to pay for the room and Primat throws like eight dollars and quarters yeah, that she stole from a vending machine. Yeah, the vending machine outside. She calls them metallic tender discs. Okay, I did kind of like that. Kind of fun. Uh, she throws eight dollars on the counter, <laughs> and Michael Richards again is just like, "This is fine." But the best part is that like there's this weird joke where they keep asking Michael Richards where to get things, and he's just like, "I'm um the night guy. I'm new to the area." And it's like. Yeah, they ask him for, like, a quark buttfuck analyzer or something <laughs> yeah, weird. Yeah, stupid Dan Aykroyd. He's, like, he's like, I'm new to the area. I don't yeah, know. that's, like, his whole thing. It's just, he's, and I'm like, and that never goes anywhere. It never pays off. It never, like. It's like, does he even work here? <laughs> yeah, like, Is he just some guy sitting at a desk in this room? Like, it just, it, it feels like it didn't need to happen. I know, but I also was like, all right, this is fine. <laughs> you know? Uh so, I mean, somehow they get keys to the fucking hotel room, and a couple of minutes later, we're in there, and Beldar is eating the soap, yeah. and he's eating the toilet paper. Hated that. Yeah, didn't like it. It's a weird effect, and he's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. The effects in this movie, except for one, are all awful. Yeah, I agree. There's one that I think is good. There's one that's particularly bad as well, and we'll, we'll get there, but... Um, one thing I did like about this scene is that Primat is laying in bed reading the Bible and just laughing her ass off. And I thought that, that was pretty great. That was so, okay. To me, that was so, like, edgelord funny, like, 
Okay. You know why it's funny? Why? Because she's reading the fucking book of Revelations about the end of the world. I guess, okay. And they're there to destroy the world. So she's yeah, like, I guess, okay. They that's, think that's how it's going to happen? That is funny. It's pretty good. That's better. Okay, that is funny. It's pretty good. It's a little more subtle and detailed than just the Edgelord thing. Which is a surprise for this movie. I, I know. <laughs> it doesn't get much deeper than that. Um, in the room, they talk about getting the parts they need to build a communication device, but agree that in the meantime, they need to adapt and live undetected on Earth amongst the blunt skulls, which is what they call people who live on Earth. It's what I call people at Sublime with Rome concerts. <laughs> but that's I what call, they call Earth. I call deadheads blunt skulls. There you go. This is the same. I mean, you know, I think this movie was probably very beloved by that generation of people. Which, <laughs> I was trying to think of a nice way to say that without like upsetting my dad. Um, Your dad's like, you're talking about Conan State. It's my favorite movie of all time. He, you know, he did show me this movie when I was a kid. I'm um, glad I didn't see this movie as a kid. Cause I, I think, you know what? I think Beldar would have freaked the shit out of me as a kid. Yeah. Because like, his head looks like one of those camel humps from that. Fucking uh, fuck thing. off. <laughs> and the teeth, the teeth. I don't like. Yeah, the teeth are weird, but luckily he does something about the teeth. We're going to get to that as well. All right, so we, we've had our motel room scene. Screen fades out. Suddenly, we're at an appliance shop owned by Sinbad. Yes. His character's name is Otto. Yes. I'm going to refer to him as Sinbad for the remainder <laughs> of the episode, because why the fuck would I not? And did you see who was first in line talking to Otto about his new... Oh, I did. It's Eddie Griffin. <laughs> and he literally says, like, one thing... And he never appears in the movie again. And do you see what his character's name was? No, I didn't. Customer. Know. Customer. That's a good name for him. Just, you know what he does is he's a customer. Yeah, he just buys oh, I don't like... see him buy anything. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Not using the restroom in here. Customers only. That's his birth name. His name is Customer Johnson. <laughs> customer Johnson. Um, the transition into this appliance shop was very confusing to me. I was watching an illegal version of this movie on the internet. <laughs> and I actually paused it and refreshed the page because I thought that maybe... It had messed up because, like, it doesn't feel earned. Like, it fades to black. The music swells. You think you're going to get, like, a title card that says Coneheads. And yes. then suddenly you're just at this appliance shop. And you're like, where even are we? Uh, and why are we here? We're here because Beldar works here as an appliance repair man. Yeah. He's a really good employee because he fixes the simple Earth devices very quickly. Uh, and Sinbad is very happy about that because he's like, I'm making a lot of money off of this guy. Yeah. You were laughing, and I don't even know why you're laughing. No, I almost choked. Oh. And then I started laughing because I almost choked. Um, <laughs> Sinbad doesn't realize that Beldar is an alien. Uh, nobody seems to. Nobody seems to. Uh, he also doesn't realize that Beldar is stealing parts from the shop so that he can use them to build a new intergalactic communicator. I literally didn't realize that either. You and Sinbad are one and the same. That's fair. Uh <laughs> He grabs the last part that he needs, and he leaves for lunch, which he calls the consumption of mass quantities. I hate how much you actually remember from this movie. I took excessive notes while I was watching it. Um, I paused it a lot. It's an 87-minute movie. It took me much longer than that to get through it. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, and at this point, we learn that he and Primat are living in a trailer behind the appliance shop. And she's in there when he goes out for lunch. And she's heating up a leftover starch disc, which is a pizza. That was kind of funny. It was kind of funny. I liked it. It's accurate. Yeah. See, the, the problem with their little names for things is like half the time, 
it's funny and half the time it's like jesus fucking christ this is laborious <laughs> just get to it yeah you well know? because she goes mm, your starch disc and and then he's like mm, pizza yeah and i thought that was kind of funny that, well like because he's he's acclimating because he's yeah. out there in the working world with the people right yeah she's just staying at home reheating starch discs <laughs> where'd she get it i they probably got it from like like a pizza restaurant i would imagine <laughs> i would assume yeah <laughs> You know what? The Little Caesars guy kind of sounds like a conehead. Pizza, pizza. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe they got it from Little Caesars. Do you think they ever did like a Little Caesars? Because look at his nose, too. He has such a big nose that if like his head tilt, maybe he's a conehead looking up. He's a the... sideways conehead. <laughs> he's looking up at the sky. Uh, yeah, that's, I think, exactly what Little Caesars was going for. <laughs> uh, anyway, she makes him some fucking pizza, and he installs the final piece of the communicator. And it works, and Beldar's able to call their friend Marlax, who's back on the home planet. I legitimately forgot who, Mar- who about Marlax, and he showed up, and I was like, oh, bummer. Wait, who was Marlax? That's Phil Hartman. Oh, you're right. I was like, oh, man. Ripperino. Ripperinos, dude. Yep, that's that's pretty sad. Um, let's take a moment of silence. Okay, so they tell Marlax that they're stranded on Earth. And they request a rescue vessel. And Marlax is like, I'll try to get you a Star Cruiser, but it's going to take seven Zerls. And that's a really fucking long time. How long is it? About, I don't know. About seven years, I think. Probably about seven years. But, like, is a is an Earth year equivalent to one of their years? Yeah, because then I don't know. Because then I'm like, how that baby, right? We're going to talk about that a lot. <laughs> uh, don't worry. Marlax... Also warns Beldar that the High Master is not going to be stoked that they fucked up their mission. Yeah. So he's like, I'll try to send you this rescue mission, but they might not want to rescue you because you fucked up. Um, at this point, we also learn that Beldar and his wife are, quote, with Cone, which means that they're pregnant. Hate that. You know why I hate it? Why? Because it, it's not just the Cone that comes out. <laughs> it's the whole Cone head person. Yeah, you wouldn't say... You wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't say with skull, like you would just say, no. with, you'd just say with child. Yeah. With child cone. Yeah. I don't like that. So do they call themselves cones? I don't think so. I mean, they call themselves cone head. Do they even call themselves that though? They're, they chose their own names. I guess that's true. Like he could have chosen Beldar John. He could have chosen like Dave Coulier, but he chose <laughs> Cut it out. <laughs> he chose, I don't know why that was the first name coming in, but he chose, uh, <laughs> Just Beldar Conehead. He could have chosen Nilknarf. <laughs> he could have chosen Alf. I went to school with a guy named Nilknarf. That's no, a true did. story. I no, sure did. No, you didn't. I sure did. You want a tangent? Because I'll give it is to you. His full name? His name. His first name is Nilknarf. <laughs> I don't want to laugh anymore because now I feel bad. I said. I feel like this is a racist thing that I'm a, laughing. No, it's a real thing. It's the first day of school. I'm a senior. His kid's obviously a freshman. He's got his big ass turtle backpack on and shit. And I'm like, I feel sorry for this guy. <laughs> So I go up to him. I go, hey, man, what's your name? So he goes, my name is Nilknarf. And I go, what? And he goes, my name is Nilknarf. And I go, don't fuck with me, dude. I'm trying to be nice to you. You know, come on. What's your fucking name for real? He goes, Nilknarf. And I go, I don't believe you. Show me your ID. So he pulls out his little student ID. And sure enough, says fucking Nilknarf on it. And I said, hey, man. Uh, no offense, what's up with your fucking name? And he goes, well, 
so you know it's going to be good. <laughs> and he goes, my parents wanted to name me after my dad, but they thought I would be embarrassed if I had the same name as my dad. So they named me Nilknarf. <laughs> and I said, okay, what's your dad's name? And he said, Franklin. I'm going oh, to no! give you a moment. Oh, no! It takes everyone just a slightly different amount of time. Oh, no! Oh, no! Nilknarf, if you haven't figured it out at home, is Franklin backwards. <laughs> so that's a that's a true story of a real thing that happened. So all things considered, Beldar Conehead's not that bad of a name. I think I love this movie now. All right. So uh, where were we? Uh, things are not looking good for the Coneheads. They're stuck on Earth. They're gonna yeah. have a baby. Uh, and they figured we better do some shit to make our stay here a little more comfortable because we're living in a trailer behind a TV shop, right? Yeah. Now. Uh, so Beldar tells his boss, Sinbad, that he doesn't have a social security number because he is an illegal alien. Which is funny. And maybe the only time that that phrase is actually accurate. In this movie? Uh, yeah. Or in general, I wouldn't call people that in real life. Uh, oh no, I mean, I, you know? I, I, I was, so. I was more talking about actual aliens, because I was like, in Men in Black, there's a, there's a, a much funnier joke, in my opinion. Well, that's yeah, well, that's Men in Black. Yeah, come on, fair enough. They got to learn from the mistakes of the Coneheads. Uh, Sinbad doesn't want to have some guy working there who's not documented because he could get in trouble, but he also doesn't want to lose his best employee. So he sets Beldar up with a guy named Carmine who can provide him with a fake identity. Yes. And this is where we get to talk about Adam Sandler Woo! for a minute or two. 24 minutes in. Yeah, this, this is a trend so far. <laughs> yeah. uh, Adam Sandler's in the movie, like I said, for literally a minute. Uh, and it's it, over before you know it. It's yeah, right you blink and it's movie. over. Um, he sells fake identities for himself. Uh, sorry, he sells Beldar fake identities for himself and his family uh, using the social security number of a dead guy named Donald R. DeChico. DeChico. Donnie DeChico. Okay. Uh, they go over the details several times. Adam Sandler has lots of funny little jokes in there. He's very little personable. Perps. Yes. Uh, and he makes sure that Beldar understands his new identity. And that's pretty much it. That's all we get of Adam Sandler. But I will say, I think it's the most Adam Sandler-y that he has been so far. I would agree with that. Watch from the podcast. I would agree with that. The, the, like, because what is this? When when did this come out? Ninety three. Is he on SNL already? For three years. So he's Adam Sandler. Yeah, he's he's like settled in. He's got his thing. He shows up in this movie, and people in the audience who are SNL fans, because it's an SNL movie, which I don't even think we talk like we talked about the cast, but. The produced by Lorne Michaels Lorne, Productions. Lorne, oh, he's going to show up a lot, Lorne. Look at my productions. <laughs> I produced them myself. They come from my nipples. I think I liked Beldar. I really wanted to name him Nilknarf. I wanted to name him Nilknarf, but it didn't seem earned. I thought maybe the people wouldn't understand. Now he's starting to sound like Kermit the Frog <laughs> if he has like a like a sinus infection. <laughs> Kermit the Frog as Dr. Evil, which in turn is just Lorne Michaels. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? <laughs> What's on the other side? <laughs> I, I just, but so this is like, so I think that you go to the theaters and you see this in 1993. Is that yes. what you said, 1993? 
every single person that shows up, you're losing your. It's like it is. You remember when Avengers Endgame came out and like anytime sh- someone showed up on screen, people like ripped their hair out and like yes. pissed themselves. Yeah. That's that's what 1993. The Coneheads, the same reaction. Yeah, the Coneheads. The whole thing's the portal scene. <laughs> literally, literally, the entire movie is the portal scene from Endgame. Where you're like, oh my god, it's pretty cool. It, it it's so weird. I don't hate it at all. I don't hate it either. Well, it I don't feels hate. Very fun. I don't. Yeah, it's just bizarre how many like. When John Lovitz showed up, I'm sure someone was like, "Fuck yeah!" I, I bet you somebody did. They started crying. Yes. They're like Wakanda he, forever. He's back, John Lovitz. God damn it! I think you're right. I think undisputably, you're yeah. right. Uh, so he gets his fake ID. Yeah. On the way home from the bar, Sinbad tells Beldar that he needs to get a hat and do something about his teeth if he's going to stay in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Beldar offers Sinbad a piece of chewing gum, which is actually hated, a condom. I hated that joke. I know you hated it, but I have to bring it up because this whole scene oh my God. is like 30 seconds. It sets up a lot of stuff that happens later in this movie. Wait, Everything what? they talk about in this scene what? comes to fruition later in the movie. So... First of all, he says he needs to get a hat. There are several scenes of him wearing hats later in the movie. Yeah. He says he needs to do something about his teeth. He does something about his teeth later in the movie. The chewing gum becomes a very important piece of the plot later in the movie. And during this scene, Sinbad tells him, you know, you got to be your own boss. You got to do all this stuff. Throughout the movie, you see him become his own boss and do all of this stuff. So it, this scene is really the, like, lays the groundwork for yeah. everything else that happens afterwards. That's fair. It's fucking stupid, but it's true. So it's, you know, uh, so we cut to the immigration and naturalization services office. Yes. Um, for all of you fans of ice, a lot of representation in this movie. Yeah. Um, it's kind of wild how like hard they go in on them. Like in 1993 when it's like how relevant it is now. Yeah. They like the movie. I don't want to say is pro like kicking immigrants out of the united states because they are making fun of the guys who work at the ins yeah but like there's a lot of ins jokes it's weird like a lot it is odd it's it feels like it's not sure what side it wants to take so it's taking both but not in like a good way yeah like in like a boring like it's almost like you're saying the movie thinks there are good people on both sides (laughs) Yeah, that's 100% what it feels like. It does feel like that. Well, it's Dan Aykroyd. Uh, Wait, is he like – does he have like bad political? I don't know. He seems like he would. I'm just making a sweeping I don't know. He's friends with Jim Belushi. Belushi, They just get high all the time. He's probably cool. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) He's a rich old white man, so probably. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, for show show business and stuff, yeah. Um, Anyway, we're at the INS office, and then – the name Donald DeChico triggers something in the computer yes. system. And at this point, we get another famous person. David Spade shows up. With Michael McKean. With Michael McKean. Same, pretty much same scene. Uh, David Spade's dialogue is chock full of racist microaggressions. Just 90% of what he says is like, I don't know if I would say that. <laughs> you know? Like, the whole time. Uh, he tells Michael McKean that the Chico's active yet again, and then they both say a bunch of other racially insensitive stuff, like putting 
like A Shock. in front of different races, like A Vietnamese. Ooh. Can't do that. That's not how we do that. That's not good. Yeah. Yeah. It's also wild to me that like I genuinely like David Spade. I think he's not terrible. Um he really is just playing his Tommy Boy character here, which is before Tommy Boy. That's kind of how he used to be. Like he's just like me. Like and it's like like I'm a cocky little shit. Look at me. Yeah, and it's not he doesn't play bad. No, he's good at it. He's kind of funny when like he needs like some like someone's about to give his boss something. Here, I got that. He's very stressed. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. I thought it was a funny character trait. He's like a try hard push like pick me kind of Yeah, very bro. pick me. Yeah. 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 So he does that in this movie. He does a lot. He does it well. Um they vow that they're going to catch DeChico, whoever it is this time, because this name has come up millions of times with with different signatures and yeah, different people using it. Um, in case you haven't figured it out by now, this movie has a lot of really random little cutscenes. I think we talked about that. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna make another one, and this time we go to the dentist's office where we meet John Lovitz <laughs> as a dentist, which is fantastic. Yeah, I didn't. <sighs> Of all the cameos in this movie, his was the one where I was kind of like, I like that you're here and you're funny, but you seem so underutilized. Do you think so? I thought it was nice to see him as a dentist. But I I, I feel like they didn't – they kind of like – it almost felt like that could have been anyone. It didn't feel like it was John Lovitz. Okay. Like it it felt like they were just like, okay, just – they weren't letting him be John Lovitz. That's true. It was just like, oh, wait, is that – that's John Lovitz. Like. But he wasn't like, hmm, yes. Like, he wasn't doing his, like, very, like – I feel like he's very kind of, like, weird. Yeah. In a good way. In, like, a totally good way. And he wasn't being weird or, or anything in some way. He was just, like, kind of reacting to Beldar. I think, well, that's the point. Is yeah, Beldar yeah, yeah. is so fucking weird <laughs> that the people have to all seem very normal. But also I love that Beldar does weird alien shit and no one bats an eye. Yeah, well, that's true. So, And I actually wrote that down here, which is that – like Michael Richards' character earlier, John Lovitz just doesn't have any opinions about Beldar being a fucking space alien. Yeah. Even though he's looking at his row, like three rows of sharp, pointy, yellow alien teeth, and then he tells him to open his mouth wider, and there's like this horrible CGI just like... Very large Marge. Yeah, it is very large Marge. Yeah, yeah. like where it's got... It, and the tongue kind of like dangles. Yeah. That would have freaked me out as a kid. Same. I think it probably did. Like that, that would have been like, whoop, too much, too much. But then John Lovitz is just like, oh, okay, well, we'll, we'll get you set up with your uh, your your veneers. Here. And he kind of like keeps like looking at the nurse, like, isn't this kind of weird? But he's a dentist yes. who makes money of doing dental work, so shouldn't he be happy that this guy has three rows of teeth? Well, that's a great question, but let me ask you this: Wouldn't you just cap the ones in the first row because you won't see the ones behind it? And you never do. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. Yeah, but he wants to make money. Like, look, we have to find all about Michael Richards having his first day on the job or being the night guy. Like, why <laughs> Why was that so important? And why would you not go for the obvious joke, especially when you have someone like John Lovitz, to be like, hmm, yes, like to be so excited that he's going to make money? I don't know. It's a great question. <sighs> I uh... Missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. But yeah. you don't have to think about it for too long. Because it's over. Because it's, it's over and we cut again and now we're back at the Coneheads trailer. And the immigration people show up, and they try to bring him in, but the Coneheads get away. But two important things happen in this scene. The first is that the INS guy gets a look at the Coneheads. Yeah. And he's like, that looks odd to me. 
Uh, and then the other is that they search the trailer and they find a bunch of funky alien symbols. And that leads them to believe that the Chico is Korean. Yikes. Yeah. They're like, I don't recognize this weird stuff. Probably Korean. Not a great conclusion to jump to. Uh, problematic, for sure. Yeah. Um, but just when you thought the movie couldn't get any more racially problematic, Holy. we cut again to a New York City cab. I and, totally... And what do we see? We see Dan Aykroyd in a turban. And who gets in the back seat, Andrew? That would be a man named Drew Carey. I texted you when I was on this scene. I texted you and I was like, hey man, have you watched this yet? And you're like, I'm up to the, the auto scene. And I was like, Every single scene, you're going to go, holy shit, is that? <laughs> I knew when I saw this scene that this is the one you were talking about when <laughs> yeah. you sent me that. This was the first film role for Drew Carey. What? And he barely does it. Again, barely does anything. He says one thing. Yeah. And then he just looks away. And I can't tell if he's supposed to be playing Drew Carey or some <laughs> random guy. It's just wild to me that like you look at like the cast of this movie and what they went on to do. Yeah. You've got Ellen. Yep. You've got Drew Carey. Like yep. you have literally four people in this movie that dominated television in the nineties. Yeah. Because you have Michael Richards, Jason Alexander, Ellen, and Drew Carey. And they are all throwaways. It's, Jason Alexander has the most to do in this movie, and he is in it for like the back half. And they don't use him well. No. So yeah, it's it's wild, man. But yeah, Drew Carey's here for some reason. Uh and uh what we're supposed to learn from this scene is Basically, that Dan Aykroyd has a lot of friends who are willing to be in his movies, but also <laughs> that uh, Beldar is now driving a cab. He's no longer working at the repair yeah. shop. But again, we don't have time to think about that because we're getting whisked away to yet another scene in a different part of town. Uh, this time, we're at the Coneheads' new and improved apartment, and I use new and improved lightly because it's still a piece of shit. Yeah, um, it, it's a basement. It's a basement apartment. Uh, it's very dreary. The landlord also happens to be Beldar's boss at the cab company. Mm -hmm. And if you notice, when the landlord comes to visit, he and Beldar are wearing the exact same outfit. Okay, I thought that was... Okay, at first I was like, that's kind of weird, but I think that's legitimate foreshadowing. Do you think so? Because he gets pulled over later and he's wearing the exact same outfit. That's that right. So it's it's that actually kind of works because Beldar is trying to assimilate. So he's like, this is what a cab driver would wear. And then the other guy. <laughs> yeah, which sucks. But it's like. <laughs> and the other guy's like, this is what I wear. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I also think that it's just like Beldar has nothing. So this is literally this guy's clothes. Oh, wow. That's what I thought. That was like my that. understanding. I like is that. Is that they literally had nothing, so it's the faint, like they're literally giving them okay. their clothes. Well, that's so, that's kind of, that's to like, the like why is he wearing like, a turban? But yours, yours, he's makes... wearing a turban to cover up his fucking weird head, is what he's doing. <laughs> but it sticks out of the top. It does stick out of the top, which is kind of fun. It is fun. <laughs> um, it sticks out of the top of a lot of things in this yeah. movie, which is kind of fun. Um, but the apartment sucks. Yeah. Uh, and, they're talking about, hey, the baby's coming soon. We got to get out of this fucking shithole, whatever. Yes. Uh, and then her water breaks. Yeah. And it's like a gushing flood that destroys the entire downstairs unit of the apartment. Which is, okay, now hold on. It does what, Andrew? It floods the apartment. Does Destroys the entire downstairs. Yes. That's kind of funny. 
Oh, because it destroys when you have her a baby. It destroys the entire you're dance. Fucking horrible. You know that? <laughs> no, I, here's the problem, though, dude. Here's the problem is I think that's the jokes they're trying to make. I didn't even think of that. Like, I thought when I saw Beldar wearing the same clothes as him, I was like, oh, it's because he doesn't have anything. That's kind of nice. And you're like, oh, it's a racist thing. And I'm like, he's probably right. Well, it- I don't think him wearing the same clothes is the racist thing. I think the <laughs> turban is problematic. But it's, it's- I think him wearing the fucking jacket is fine. <laughs> but I mean, it's like, oh, haha, this is what they all look like. Like, it's like... <sighs> Well, it's it's that thing of him trying to blend in and really not yeah understanding what that actually means yeah. But your your downstairs being destroyed is a just an <laughs> entirely different level of humor. I'm not I'm not playing 4D chess with my humor. <laughs> I'm just saying I thought that that's was funny. Absolutely wild. Uh, yeah. So uh, so she's having a baby, and oh uh. And who shows up at the delivery room? Well, Andrew? this is interesting. So Beldar's there, as you would expect. Yes. Uh, Primat, of course, is there because she's the one having the baby. Yes. But then also Sinbad <laughs> and the that? landlord are what? both there with a camera. And they're like, don't worry, man. We're going to get lots of pictures. Which is kind of funny. Kind of fun. I don't want my boss to take pictures <laughs> of my wife's vagina. Or, well, hold on. I don't want either of my bosses. I know. They're both of his bosses. <laughs> I have a past boss that if she showed up to the birth of my child, she would need to be at the hospital. Like, she would be lucky that she was already there. <laughs> would be a problem. Uh, the birth is chaotic and disgusting. Yeah. Everyone's terrified. Nurses are fleeing from the room. Uh, and then the scene ends with Beldar biting off the baby's umbilical cord, which really freaks people out. Which is, like, such a weird – it's such a weird cut, too. Because it's like, wait, does he have his teeth back? He, no, he hasn't gotten his veneers yet. He's oh, just had his consultation. Right. We don't actually ever see when he gets them. Because Primat gets them too. Yes. But because uh, at one point, yeah, when it's like, he's like, do you want to cut the cord? Which I'm also sure the doctor was somebody. I couldn't, I don't remember. I couldn't tell. Yeah. When you, do you want to cut the cord? And he like does like a big grin, like a big toothy like shark grin at the cord, like opens his mouth. I love to. And then it just cuts and you're like, okay, we get it. We know what happened. Yeah, he uh, he used the His little teeth. pair of scissors and gently clipped it. Yeah, <laughs> everything worked just as planned. Um, yeah, weird. Then we go back to the immigration office. The INS has analyzed the symbols that they found in the Conehead's apartment. Uh, based on that analysis, yeah. they determined that they do not have any known matches on Earth, including either Korea. So <laughs> we ruled that out. Uh, and they begin to suspect that the Coneheads are creatures from another planet. So the people that they were accusing of being aliens, they are, are now accusing aliens. of being aliens. Pretty fun, right? Uh, they discuss whether they should transfer jurisdiction over to the Air Force, and McKean says the Air Force doesn't have jurisdiction because they're trying to get jobs. Yeah, that was a little rough. Yeah, I was like, mm, hmm? oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Michael um, McKean's character sucks. Yeah, he's a real piece of shit in this movie, <laughs> like, for sure. Like, he's a bad dude. Yeah. Like, he sucks. He really sucks. And he doesn't really get what he deserves. No, they, like, let him go. <laughs> oh, Spoiler alert. They Spoiler, let him go. Spoiler uh, alert. But some stuff happens to him first. Um, so now David Spade and his team, and for some reason not Michael McKean. Because he gets, like, another job offer. He's doing – well, not yet. He's he, For oh, some reason right. he's just not in this scene, but – 
David Spade goes to do a stakeout outside of the Coneheads shitty basement apartment building. Uh, and in case Dan Aykroyd wearing a turban wasn't enough, now David Spade is also wearing a turban. Why is David Spade wearing a turban? He's also wearing sunglasses at night. <laughs> so uh, he has not made good choices. Oh, my um, God. And he's in the car doing a stakeout. And a cab pulls up in front of the building, and as Ruben alluded to earlier, the INS rushes in and pulls the driver out, but it's not Beldar. It's the landlord who's wearing the exact same clothes yes. that Beldar had been wearing. Uh, and he tells the immigration people that Beldar and the fam moved out like a week ago. Yeah, they're super late. And the INS is like, fuck it, we're going to arrest you anyway because we don't like your type around these parts. Yeah. And I was like, why? Why are you <laughs> arresting this guy? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of weird to watch a movie like this, like now, where you're like, oh, the police are doing something shitty for no reason, and it's kind of being played for laughs. But it's it, a comedy. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's too real. Like you're supposed to be like, <laughs> they took him away anyway. <laughs> oh, oh, how droll. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, dude? It sucks. Uh, and then late, so Michael McKean shows up. Yeah. And then he gets the call informing him that he's been promoted. Because of his, quote, electric border wall idea. <sighs> you know, in many ways, this movie was ahead of its time. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have yet another cut. And now we're at the Coneheads' new suburban single-family home. So we're moving on up, right? We're doing the... Yeah, yeah, doing the whole doing thing. Doing the ascension thing. Um, we're supposed to be getting the impression that the Coneheads are doing the whole American dream, blah, blah, blah. Um this scene is shot like a montage of old school home movies, like the part in Christmas kind of Vacation yeah. where Clark's in the attic and he's watching Christmas is a time of year. <laughs> uh, it's like it's like that scene. Um, we watch the family move into the new house. Uh, weirdly, all three of them are in most of the shots, and yet there's still like a handheld shaky cam quality <laughs> yeah, to this footage. Filming? So it's like, who is that? You know, like is that Jason Alexander? I guess maybe it could be. I don't know. <laughs> hey, I'm your neighbor. Uh, <laughs> hey, it's me. Hmm, fuck. Oh. Hmm. Uh, there's some footage from Christmas where Beldar's dressed like Santa, which is kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Like, okay. Uh, they go to the beach. The little baby conehead girl in this scene is Dan Aykroyd's daughter. Oh, like actually? Life. Yeah, with a little cone on her head. That's, okay, you know what? That's cool. That's kind of fun. That right? is fun. Yeah, she had uh, no choice. <laughs> uh, and they, then they glued it to her head. <laughs> yeah, they're like, sit down. <laughs> She's like, ah, Uh, She's like, hold on, I made up new words for your science. <laughs> I don't want to wear that helmet. <laughs> um, and then, so so they they force the child to get dressed in this horrible costume. And then um, and then there's a scene of them riding a motorcycle with cone-shaped helmets. I thought that was fun. I thought it was fun, too, but I was like, where did they get the helmets? <laughs> they made them. From France. Uh, yeah, they, they made I guess they could make them, right? Um, I mentioned the motorcycle thing because it's going to come back later yeah, as well. I, There's a lot of foreshadowing in this which movie. Which is bizarre. It's, I don't think that it was on purpose, and yet I somehow don't see how they could have done it on accident. So <laughs> yeah. I'm very confused. Um, and then this is the weird part. So by the time the montage is over, the daughter is 16 years old. And everyone else in the movie is the same age that they were when the montage started. I didn't even think about that. She ages like 16 years, but then like 
if you look at like David Spade, for example, he doesn't age. He hasn't aged more than a, maybe a couple of months. And they have not talked about like time or you know what I mean, like yeah. Oh, she's not sixteen. Yeah, she's like four months old. Yeah. So, like, Chris Farley's behavior in this movie is predatory <laughs> at best, anyway, and it gets real bad when you start to think about that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so that's very strange. Um, uh, also, we should mention that the neighbor is Jason Alexander. Yes. Uh, and he has a very obvious toupee. Well, that's the joke. There's a whole... There's a joke later, but here's my problem. Okay. He has a toupee. Yeah. He asks Beldar to fix his lawnmower. Yes. When Beldar is fixing the lawnmower, he blows really hard in Jason Alexander's face. Yeah. And the toupee doesn't fly off. Do you not? Did you not notice? He holds it down. Yeah. But it's such a missed opportunity for it but, to blow off. And for I, Beldar, who has a very obviously bald head, to be like, eh. But I thought that when he holds it down, it's like, oh, the, the hair looks bad on purpose. See, I, I knew that before he held it down. <laughs> well, I was like, this might just be low budget. <laughs> yeah. I think that was a mistake. But, <laughs> you know, not, not your thought. The not – Beldar. blowing off of the hair i felt was a mistake but anyway we know that it has not been 16 years on earth yeah uh but some time has passed because beldar and the fam seem like they're pretty ingrained in their new suburban yeah. lifestyle uh connie has a bunch of human friends who are theoretically her age or at least <laughs> her physical age her physical um, yeah and that's cool beldar takes her and her friends out shopping but then for some reason also ends up at a mechanic like yeah, the car we, never breaks down. So I'm like, did you just say like, hey, I got to go to the mechanic. There's some stores nearby. You girls want to come? Like, how did this happen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is the, what what got us to this mechanic shop in the first place? And it seems like he's picking his car up, but they were just in the car. Yeah. But they have shopping bags. So maybe they were just waiting for like an hour. But then like also Beldar can fix anything. Yeah, wait, what the hell? Why can't he figure out how to work a fucking sable? Yeah, wait, what? Yeah. There's literally a plot point about Beldar fixing anything. Yeah, he's so good at fixing things. Why can't he fix his car? And his job is to turn the earth into a fueling station, which you would think means he knows something about mechanical things. So what? It doesn't really make sense that they're at the mechanic in the first place because yeah. like he just fucking fixed the lawnmower five minutes ago by chewing on it. Yes, he like sucked on the spark plug or something. <laughs> yeah, he's like, <laughs> he was like, um, he didn't actually make that noise. I don't think. I, eh, a little have. bit. Um, so anyway, they're at the mechanic for no reason, but the mechanic is Chris Farley, playing a teenager. Yes, when technically, he's, when he's clearly not one. <laughs> Very clearly uh, an adult man. Now, his name is Ronnie, and he's the love interest for Connie. Which, okay, is never referenced. It's like a little bit of a Ron-Con, if, <sighs> if you will. I hate that. You don't hate it. I liked that their names were similar. I thought it was funny that it was weird that no one ever referenced it. It was weird that no one ever said anything. Like, oh, your name's Rhyme. Like, um, I, okay. I don't hate Chris Farley as a love interest. I don't either. I think it's kind of fun. He's not like your typical James Franco, like yeah. chiseled, 
why is this guy working at this mechanics office kind of he thing? does something shitty but then he also is like hey i screwed up and i am so like he he understands because he's supposed to be a teenager well, that's see that's the interesting thing is if they had actually cast like a real teenage boy you might be like oh he's making teenager mistakes <laughs> but when you see chris farley be like fucking let's make out even though he said no it's like he should know better yeah you know i um, i wanted to kiss you and you said no <laughs> is it because i look like this uh which is something he actually kind of asks in this movie but we're getting a little bit of ahead of ourselves yes For now they're just flirting yes just flirting okay uh but that's all they have time to do because suddenly we're at the ins headquarters <laughs> and kevin nealon has arrived yeah what uh and he's like a big wig at the ins and he's running a confirmation hearing for Michael McKean's promotion. And he tells Michael McKean that he can't get the promotion until he apprehends the person posing as DeChico because of some kind of outstanding expense report. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think I'm fixing our timeline here. Okay. Remember when you, when you were like, oh, and then Kevin or Michael McKean leaves because he's about to get promoted. Yes. It doesn't take months to get promoted. No, it doesn't, huh? It takes like a few weeks. Yeah, I mean, if this you is know a government you're... agency, so it could take a while. But but if you know you're getting promoted, yeah. and they tell you you're getting promoted, that hearing was probably not long after. Yeah. So it's a good thing Chris Farley's so eager to make a move because Connie's going to be fucking dead by the time he's twenty. Yeah. Uh, so. It, it, it's it's odd. How long did Coneheads live? How much have Beldar and Primat aged in this amount of time? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense. I don't think it's supposed to. I don't think no. this is like a like a Ridley Scott kind of production. <laughs> you know this. You um, know. Well, well, hold on. Hold on. What if is what if a facehugger attached to a conehead? Well, because you know would, how the, what would happen? Well, because like the xenomorphs, like they kind of like take some form of like what the, like what they have crawl out, they crawl out of that's why the xenomorphs kind of look like human but there can be animal xenomorphs whatever whatever like goblins uh sure i guess if it's xenomorph- goblins are animals as we established god damn it episode. i forgot about that <laughs> yeah so okay let's say there's a little goblin that goes to space with ridley okay. and he's like he's like i'm gonna poke the egg sack and he pokes it and he just blah, 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 attaches it. i guess sure if a xenomorph popped out of his chest or like a like a chest burster it would have like little goblin ears and maybe a big nose or something. It's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> but so like a xenomorph cone head. Look, I know that we don't have we don't have that many people who are listening. But if you have any sort of drawing ability, I would love to see your idea of the xenomorph cone head. Well, I will draw that for you <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> I just like because a xenomorph already has such a big head. Yes. Then what would a xenomorph – would it be like two or would it go up? Because like, you know how is uh, – you see what I'm saying though is a cone head goes up. A xenomorph curves. So what does a xenomorph cone head do? It curves the opposite direction. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> it goes forward. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. That's just a unicorn. Well, kind of. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I think somebody should put it out of its misery. <laughs> I want to die. <laughs> Kill me, please. Um – where where were we? We're oh we're going to Subway sandwiches now. We're off to Subway sandwiches for a date. For a date, 
I get, which I kind of didn't mind because I was like, where would a broke teenager go on a date? Maybe to a Subway sandwich. I kind of liked it. Um, Jared took uh, kids to Subway oh, on dates no, all no, the time. No, 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 no. Um, so Connie just absolutely fucking throats the sandwich. And it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. It's the worst CGI I've ever seen in my life. It's really bad. Uh, but she just, just really sucks the sandwich down. And Ronnie's over there just like, oh, <laughs> like really just sweating up a storm about it. Uh, and then he says, my mom's the only other woman I've ever known who could take a sandwich like that. It's kind of funny. Not eat a sandwich. Take a sandwich. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's because fat. It's horrifying. Yeah, no, it is horrifying. It's but horrifying it's like... and purposefully sexual. Are we skipping a segment, or am I just? Or is this? Am I totally out of whack with the time? We're on not this? skipping anything. You know what I'm? You know what segment I'm talking about? What I think? I don't know what. You're that's okay. About, well, but I, Beldar's I think we job. Will get there. Beldar's job. We're gonna get there. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. I was just like, didn't that happen earlier? No. Oh no. my god, this movie I took, drags I took on. The notes as I was watching the movie. Oh so my unless, god. Unless my version that I found was fucked up and out of order. <laughs> This should be in You order. watched the memento cut of Conan's. Yeah. <laughs> I have to find out what happened to myself. <laughs> um, so now we're going to the grocery store. Okay, yeah, here uh, we go. And Primat is shopping with the neighbor woman, Lisa, who's married to Jason Alexander. Yes. Lisa has a normal shopping cart full of food, and then Primat has a cart full of light bulbs, which I found kind of funny because I'm yeah, assuming yeah. that's what they eat. Uh, and there was, like, way too many light bulbs. Yeah. Like, l- like so many light bulbs. Uh, and then she sees a bin of eggplants and goes, ah! I did not get the joke. And then she, like, caresses the eggplant and puts it in her cart. And then the very next conversation is about how Lisa thinks Beldar could be cheating on Primat. So I'm like, wait a second. Is this eggplant like a sexual thing? Because they're talking about the lack of sex. We use eggplants as penis emojis today. Maybe she sees it and she's like, I want it. Uh, See, I think she's freaking out. But then why does she pick it up and like caress it and buy it? That's what I didn't understand. I thought she thought it was like a baby or something. I think it's like a. Oh, ding dong. Like a ding dong. Like a Beldar ding dong. Well, we do. There is an implication that Beldar is a rock and hog later. That, yeah, that's true. And so, and and so the the concern here is that he may be cheating. And then the very next scene, we cut to Beldar's job. Yes. Which okay. Is a driving instructor. Yes. At the Meepzor Precision Discount Driving School, <laughs> which is his own business that he opened because no one else would have named it the Meepzor Driving School. <laughs> I do think that it is funny that someone who crash landed their spaceship teaches driving. I do think that's funny as well. Yeah, I, that's fantastic, actually. I think that's a good. I think that's a good joke. It is a good joke. I didn't even think of it. So you you think of humor on a different level than I do. I don't know if that's accurate. Well, okay. <laughs> um, during the lesson, he's teaching this woman named Gladys. Yes. And she kisses Beldar. Yeah. Like a big juicy one. But no reciprocation. Beldar goes, no, I don't want it. Or whatever, you know, something like that. He's like, I'm married. Um, And even though he shares no romantic feelings for Gladys, he does tell her that he will make sure she's protected when his species comes to rule the planet. (laughs) And she's like, oh, wow. I did like that. That was kind of fun. Was that the job you were talking about? Yeah. Okay. I could have sworn that happened much earlier in the movie. It happened at that exact moment. (laughs) God, Uh, I hate this movie. uh, 
so they they kiss but it's not something that they want to happen and then the very next scene is another unwanted kiss but this one is between ronnie and connie yeah so uh ronnie tries to kiss connie she says no and then he like tries to guilt her into making out by being like is there something wrong with me like not not great not not great. great 15 year old boy kind of like expected behavior you think for the early nineties. I think they're supposed to be the same age. I think they're both supposed to be high school seniors. That's fair enough. Like eighteen. Okay. I think he's supposed to be an a a kid but an an adult hard well, she's twenty five by now. <laughs> she's it's been the, eight minutes of screen time. She's the old woman in Titanic already. <laughs> she's like, I remember you, Ronnie. You were such a nice boy. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So they 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 have kind of a weird like, I want to make out. I don't want to make out. But then like, I don't know how to be affectionate because of my parents and like, which is a weird thing to say. I yeah, think. I get um, it, but weird. I I get that she was saying that they are not outwardly affectionate to each other, but yeah. she literally just says, "I don't know how to be affectionate because of my parents." And I was like, "What? Uh, <laughs> uh gross." Uh, that sounds maybe like it's good. <laughs> um, so. None uh, of us do. <laughs> so they do end up kissing. And yeah. kind of like you alluded to a minute ago, Connie sort of does like a face hugger thing. And she's like. Yeah. And he's like, oh, my God, that was fucking awesome. You know, like he really. I thought it. he was in physical pain. He and really then, liked it. And then he went back for more. Yeah, because she does that. And he's like, oh, yeah. And then he starts like caressing her cone and shit, which is a very forward thing to do. Yeah. On Remulac. And she's like, no. No means no. We don't do that shit here. And uh, and then he keeps pushing for it. So then she just fucking yeets him into the side of the car. She pushes him away very hard. Yeah. And, like, she's a strong motherfucker. Yeah. And so he's like, oh, Jesus, okay. And so then inside, uh, Primat is vacuuming. And she doesn't actually have a vacuum cleaner. She's just sucking the shit Ugh. off the floor through the vacuum tube with her mouth. Which is a kind of a funny, like, follow-up joke. Right, because we just saw Connie do the right, yeah. and so yeah, so it's like, oh wow, okay, and runs in the family. Um, Connie rushes in though; she's crying because Ronnie she, Ronnie is a flandap, which is like a an overly randy young man, I think. Oh uh, my god! Yeah, so he's a flandap, um, and Beldar gets really mad, and he goes outside, and Ronnie's trying to drive away. He grabs the bumper of the car, and stops it with one hand, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Then he rips the fucking roof off with his bare hands, and he threatens to bash Ronnie's head in, essentially. And I was like, yeah. this is fucking metal all of a sudden. Okay. It, it, it goes real Uncle Buck and zero to 60. Yeah. It, it's like, Jesus Christ, right? So yeah. you're like, go fucking Beldar, right? And then he goes back inside. He's like, look what I did. Be happy for me. And then his daughter's like, Dad, you ruined my life. God. We should mention, we have not mentioned up to this moment. She talks normal. She does talk normal. She and she doesn't have uh she doesn't have scary teeth. Right. She has she totally has, normal, she has normal human teeth, teeth, which we don't know why, and she doesn't have an accent. But did she get the teeth? It's never explained. Never explained. Again, I think it's supposed to be like a thinly or maybe not so thinly veiled like first and second generation I think it is immigrant yeah. metaphor of like she was born here and she's like half assimilated but has this cultural thing and she, yeah but she's never been back and she doesn't understand and it's like okay that's a lot for a movie called Coneheads <laughs> yeah that's, you know? that's a lot for a comedy starring Dan like, Aykroyd like you're doing too much even without that I think <laughs> maybe um so she's mad she stomps upstairs 
Primat follows her up. They have like the your your cone is changing conversation. Ugh. It's very like PBS after school special. Yeah. Um, except her cone changing is like p- just a code word for puberty. Yeah. Um. So they talk about all that shit, and then uh, the next day, Beldar goes back to the golf course with Jason Alexander. Yeah. Uh, aka Larry and. Ronnie shows up. He's a caddy for somebody else who you pointed out to me before we started recording is Tom, Tom Arnold. Arnold. Uh, I can't seem to escape from Tom Arnold. Uh, <laughs> I recorded my other podcast yesterday and he came up like five different times and he wasn't in the movie we were talking about. <laughs> what I thought was funny, and this is such a weird thing that I, re- I don't know why I remember this. And I don't know if it was before this movie or after this movie, but on SNL, uh, Chris Farley actually portrayed Tom Arnold in Did a he really in a skit. Oh shit! So it's like it's just I was just like oh Tom Arnold. Yeah, he's like he's pretending to be Tom Arnold or something. His pants fall down, and then like Dennis Miller's like, did I just see the new guy's ass? <laughs> <laughs> That's odd. Yeah, I don't. I want to see it. I I don't know why it's so stuck in my brain, but it's like I think it's probably it was probably on one of the best of Chris Farley SNL DVDs they used to make. There you go. They don't make them anymore. I'm probably not. Well, he's not doing a lot of new skits. Um, <laughs> so he, Ronnie shows up. He tries to apologize to Beldar. Which is kind of funny and and, 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 and and a cool scene. Yeah, and it's kind of like... Endearing. You know, yeah, that's a great word for it. Because um, he's, he's going full-blown Farley. Yeah, he really is. Like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, doing, like, the, the shake and the, like, I messed up. Like, the, like, the wine, the shake, the, like, I'm an idiot. And like, then Beldar is just like, mm-hmm, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I, again, I hated this movie, but there are parts where I just start laughing because it's like you said, he's like, uh, I don't really know what to do here. Well, see, the funny thing about that is that's how a normal Earth man would react in that moment as well. So <laughs> <Yeah>. you're like, <laughs> you not knowing what to do when I wouldn't know what to do is fun. Yeah. You're not knowing what to do. Cause you're like from fucking Remulac. Yeah. That gets a little old after the first 12 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I agree, even though I like the movie better than you did. Um, okay. Remember we were at the golf course a second ago. Yeah. <laughs> we're not there anymore. Now we're at a swim meet. Uh, and Ellen DeGeneres is there. Yes. And she is there for like two and a half seconds. Again. And I don't think she, lines. she doesn't even face forward at no. any point. She's just like kind of like, dive good one. And I was like, was that Ellen? And then like the character disappeared and I was like, wait, wait, was that Ellen? And she like turns, like walks past the camera again and I had to Google it. Yeah. Ellen DeGeneres Coneheads. Yep. Yeah. She's a swim coach. Yeah. For some reason she's there. For a second. Uh, And, and uh, it's enough, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, it's weird that she's a swim coach and she's being helpful and not like, hey, you dumb piece of shit. Yeah, she's just trying to like scare the shit out of her while she's diving. Or, or like be, be mean and like terrible. Ask her questions about her ex when she's on live TV and stuff like that. Yeah. Be like, I didn't invite me to your party. Yeah. Well, I did invite you. you and then she didn't, she didn't like berate her staff or. Yeah, you know, she like let people take a lunch break. And it was, yeah, it was a very different time for her in her career. I think. It's weird that that scene was 45 minutes. Yeah, I know. And yet it's the shortest part of my outline. Uh, Connie has a cone-shaped head. Yes. I think I made that clear. Uh, that makes her good at diving. I guess. Yeah, like a squid or a torpedo. I, I guess you're right. Yeah. yeah, so she dives very perfectly. She makes no splash. Do you think this is not a joke? Do you think that's like a per- – because that dive is actually really well done. Yeah. 
Do you think that's a professional diver they made wear a stupid cone head? Yeah. You know why I think that? Because the CGI in this movie is not that good. But you know what I mean? Like, it's not just like, it's not her doing it. You think that's like a like like a, a body double, essentially. Yeah. You think that's like legitimately like... Absolutely. Like, hey, I made 15 bucks because I had to put this dumb hat on and 100%. Yeah. 100%. It's a swimmer. They put a dumb hat on every day. <laughs> this time they just put a dumb hat on over the dumb hat. That's fair, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So she dove. It was great. Um, and then in the stands, there's this nosy PTA woman. Who is a somebody? She, she is a somebody. What somebody? I don't know. I don't remember her name, but she's an SNL person, yeah, too. Yeah, she's in all kinds of stuff. Uh, and she is like, oh, well, hey, Beldar and Primat, uh, I noticed that you haven't been volunteering on any parents' committees. Uh, we could really use someone for the upcoming homecoming gala. Uh, guess what? There's not a fucking homecoming gala in this movie at all. No. But the next scene we cut to is the homecoming football game. Yes. So maybe they just don't know what the word gala means. <laughs> uh, so we're at the football game where the – Parents kind of are volunteering, so I think there was some kind of weird miscommunication here. Yeah, they're kind of, like, doing stuff. Yeah, I think maybe they were supposed to say homecoming game in the swimming scene, and it was too late. Like, they realized <laughs> it on the editing room floor, and they were like, well, hope no one notices. <laughs> hope no one in 30 years notices this dumb mistake. I hope these two random guys don't start an Adam Sandler podcast and then watch this movie for it, even though Adam Sandler's barely in it, and then notice this dumb fucking mistake we made, and then talk about it for, like, six minutes. That would be so shitty. Hey, do you think this racist stuff goes a little too hard? I'm more worried about the Gala Gala thing, man. I don't know. Oh, okay. We probably should have fixed that. Let's keep all the racist stuff in. <laughs> yeah. So we're at the homecoming game. Uh, yeah. And uh, the Coneheads are all there. Connie is a cheerleader, apparently, in addition to a swimmer. Yes. Uh, and Beldar and Primat are there because Beldar has volunteered to put on a fireworks show. Yes. Uh, leading up to that fireworks display, Connie and Ronnie talk to each other under the bleachers. And they make up, basically. Yeah. Ronnie apologizes. It's received well. Um, and then Beldar puts on the fireworks display. Yes. And he lights this dinky-ass little, like, Roman candle firework that goes up and kind of does, like... Yeah, like, fizzles. Fizzles out. And everyone's like, oh, you fucking suck, bro. It's the worst <laughs> fireworks show I've ever seen. And then, like, the fucking sky erupts into this, like, insane supernova. Yeah. And everyone's just like mesmerized and cheers and like literally crazy. burnt. Yeah, there's a lot of like physical injuries. I think probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, like like the earth may have even wobbled. Like I don't know. The, like the tides are probably going to be fucked up. It was a, a big thing. Um. So yeah. So he he delivered on the uh, committee that was for the wrong thing, and then we go back home. Yeah. As you do after a football game. And uh, Primat is laying in bed reading Cosmo. I say laying in bed. They're actually standing in bed because they don't Never lay down to sleep. This just I like that they don't explain it. Yeah. I like I like when there's a degree of world building and they're just like, you have to accept this. I guess that's fair. So I was okay with that. That's fair. Um, She's reading Cosmo. Yes. Which is notoriously. Horny. A horny, like, how, does your, how to please your man. Yeah. Does, does your man love you? Scream onto his penis. Fifteen ways to get insane pleasure out of your man yeah we're screaming on his penis and that's just from the one that i read today <laughs> i think the screaming on the penis issue might have been a different one because that's the one i wrote in, oh you wrote it okay uh, yeah <laughs> i would love you to pitch that to cosmo the problem is you know that there's been someone like me who's been working for cosmo who's like 
I don't know. What if we just said, like, scream on his penis? And, like, you know I would put money down that talking into or making noise on a penis is in an issue of Cosmo Like, It's going to make his brain explode. You put $5 on that right now? <laughs> <laughs> on the fact that it's in the magazine, not on the fact that it'll make a brain explode. Because we're not going to test it. I mean, my hog's out. Uh. Well, I'm glad this is a tall table. So she's reading Cosmo, and what Cosmo is supposed to do yeah. is uh, make you feel empowered and sexy, but what it actually does is make you feel really self-aware and yeah. unconfident. And so she's like starting to get really like not sure about the relationship, especially given the whole conversation with Lisa about him potentially cheating or whatever. And Which so, kind of goes nowhere, by the way. No, yeah, it really doesn't go anywhere at all. Um, but she asks a lot of these stereotypical questions that they have in those magazines, which is like, what would you do if I died? You know, like, okay, I was just trying to figure out what fucking lip gloss I liked, but let's get deep. Uh, you know, would he find a new mate if she died? That kind of yeah. stuff, right? And he's like, no, I'd rather die alone in a slow, painful death, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, right answer. And she's like, I love that. She's super happy. And they agree that life on Earth is good. Yes. So they're they're starting to feel like maybe they belong here a little bit. Yes. Have at this point have they already started using France as where they're from? Because I feel like it just starts about halfway through the movie. They just start saying France. They kind of they kind of do it like the whole time, but there's a scene where it becomes very important. Yes. So they I think they drop it a little bit earlier. Like yeah. it, when when uh, Sinbad is first like, "Where are you from, man?" And he's like, "France." And then he's like, uh-uh, I don't believe that. And yeah. He's like, I'm from Remilac. And he's like, it wasn't really that hard to get that out of you, bro. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's get you set up with the Sandman. But um, yeah, so they're, they're like enjoying Earth or whatever. Uh, and then the next morning, we are in the ocean. <laughs> okay. Okay. Michael McKean's character is on a boat. Oh, my God. This scene. And They've just intercepted a different boat full of people who are trying to sneak into the United States. Yes. Uh, and McKean is just like on a loudspeaker yelling at these people, like literally saying you have no job skills and would be a drag on our economy. Yeah. And it's like, in a way, it's like, I get what they're going for. They're making him say the quiet part out loud. And that's kind of like, that's kind of like yes. a commentary or a satire or, what, or whatever. But at the same time, I get the feeling that they want me to laugh at him saying that and yeah. not at the satire of it. And it's like, isn't it funny? The things he's saying, it's like because of how awful they are, but especially now I'm like, there are people who say that unironically. Yeah. I think maybe, maybe that's part of why, like, you know, people are trying to like do better because it's like, <laughs> yeah. hey, let's if there's a, any way that this might not be left for interpretation, like let's let's just uh, not do it. Let's just you erase know? it. Yeah, exactly right. So, uh, so he says some horrible, horrible things, and then David Spade calls and says that the INS has located the man posing as DeChico or DeChichi or whatever the yeah, fuck his DeChico. name is. DeChico. Uh, and that's kind of the most infuriating part of this boat thing is like, it didn't even need to happen. Like super irrelevant. It's just a location for him to be when he gets a phone call. Yeah. It's just like, let's show that he's awful. And it's like, I mean, yeah, we get it, but why we, are you, we, we understand by now that he's a huge piece of shit. Yeah. We know he sucks. Uh, so yeah, so that was a disappointing scene, I think. 
uh, you're shaking your head like you liked it. So I don't. Understand. No, I did not. Don't 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 put that on me. <laughs> Do not put that on me. Uh, I'm Whoa, just you're holding up a sign that says, actually, I loved every racist part of this movie. <laughs> My name is Andrew Tucker. That's no, <laughs> that's weird. No, I'm not holding a sign. It's on my T-shirt. Um, <laughs> we, New we, merch. <laughs> uh, so the tea public got taken down. <laughs> um, cut back to the grocery store. Yeah. Primat is shopping again. Yes. And I think her just constantly being at the grocery store is also supposed to be a commentary on something. Because, like, Veldar's always out and about, and she's always either just at home or shopping. And I'm like... <laughs> Why? Yeah. Um. Like she's smart. That's why she's on this mission too. You know, it's not just because they're like fucking fucking. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um. Uh. While she's at the store, she walks past Gladys. Yeah. Who's the woman who tried to kiss Beldar at the driving school? And I don't know that Primat actually knows who this person is, but she still sees her and gets incredibly jealous and upset, and then buys every single woman's self-help magazine that they have at the grocery store. Yeah. Uh. Back at the country club, Beldar and Larry are drinking beer, and they're talking about the upcoming Halloween costume contest. So, big surprise there. It's fucking Halloween. <laughs> uh, that was not made clear at any point during no. this movie. Um, uh, and then we see Beldar's ass. And he has nipples on his back? They're like nodes more than nipples. I don't know. And he has no butt. No crack in the ass. It's just yeah. a, like a rump. And then, and it's implied he has a weird penis. Yeah. Because it shows another guy be like, whoa. Yeah, everyone looking at him from every angle is very concerned about what they're seeing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm quite frankly uh, upset at the amount that I did see and very happy I didn't have to see anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was gratuitous. And then he gets home from the golf course. And when he opens the door, there's a row of candles leading into the kitchen. Yeah, and he finds the world's largest mai tai waiting for him in the fridge, which is funny to me that they are like mm, mai tais, like of, <laughs> yeah. of all the yeah. fucking random shit. He literally that you goes can drink. Mm, a mai tai, like you landed in New Jersey, <laughs> you know, like where did mai tais come from? Wake up in the morning. <laughs> it's not like a, like it should be like a forty of Mickey's or something. But uh, <laughs> so he finds the mai tai and he's like mai tai, and then he follows the candles further into the house and then he finds a gallon sized jug of baby oil. Yeah. With a note that says "Come get me." <laughs> so uh, weirdly, this was also exactly what I experienced when I got to Ruben's house to record today. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it's funny, um, it's funny. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> Which is the sound that Beldar makes. Uh, he keeps walking, and he finds Primat lying on the couch in a big blonde wig and a hated that. dress. Didn't like it either. Yeah, I hated that. Partially because she looked like fucking Mary Todd Lincoln or something. With <laughs> yeah, wig yeah. On. It did not make sense. It looked weird. Not sexy. Guarantee she didn't see that in any of those magazines. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, this is clearly the result of the advice from those magazines. Uh, she does this weird, like... <laughs> Which I think is supposed screech. to be like a sexy sound. Yeah, they just screech at each other. Yeah, they're like, it's like some weird horny like bird mating ritual or something. Um, Beldar is very turned on. She throws this like little flower crown midsummer kind of situation. Yeah, I saw that. Like a little ring toss. Um, that thing's like a sex ring. Yes. Apparently. Uh, so that's cool, I guess. I don't get what it does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I made one last night after I watched this movie. Didn't do anything for me. Um, <laughs> he sat there. Your friend's like, hey, are you good? You're like, nothing. I'm not doing anything. No, 
<laughs> Why'd you get all those fake flowers from Michaels? <laughs> no reason. Um, the timing, unfortunately, for this little sexual escapade could not be any worse. Yeah, it's weird. Because uh, outside, David Spade and his INS team are listening to the audio from inside the house. Yes. Which, apparently, they bugged, even though that was never shown. Yeah, <laughs> so, I don't know how they did that. Um, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe they just did it by magic. At this point? Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, so then they decide, hey, let's ring the doorbell. And they say that they are Jehovah's Witnesses. Yes. Uh, I should also note that Beldar answers the door in an Abraham Lincoln costume, furthering my Mary Todd Lincoln theory for the. There it is. Um, so they say they're Jehovah's Witnesses. They come inside. Primat is also wearing a weird costume, which and she's wearing like an alien costume. Which no, is did, you, fun. did you not get what she was? No, she's a lipstick. Oh, I had I did not get that at all. Because her head is red, and and then she had like a face thing that covered, oh. so she looked like a lipstick. You'd think after watching Dog Police, I'd know more about <laughs> lipstick. Uh, she, she trying to be a good human host brings like a mountain of potato chips. And then this is actually very funny. She brings each of them a six pack of diet Pepsi (laughs) and just puts it on the table in front of them, which is fucking hilarious. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, I, yeah, I got a major kick out of that. Um, and then they ask Beldar still, they're still pretending to be Jehovah's witnesses. And they say, do you agree that the world is heading toward a calamity? And Beldar's like, I have direct personal knowledge that this is so. Because yeah, he's, he's like, he's about to like cream his geners, dude. Yeah, it's just like, like that. I'm a noggin. Mm, I'm creaming. Hmm. <laughs> 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 um, so the, uh, the fake Jehovah's Witnesses slash real immigration agents ask where they're from. Beldar and Primat say that they are from France, but that they are American citizens now. So they've said it, I think, a couple times before, but this is the big moment. Yeah. Right? Because uh, Michael McKean gets this fucking look on his face, and he's like, I got you, motherfucker. And yeah. And then he says something to Beldar in French, and then it just goes fucking quiet. And you're like, wow, there's actually like a good moment of tension in this movie. Like, I actually kind of feel some suspense. And then Beldar looks at him, and he just opens his mouth and I don't want to say in perfect French because it's really not at all but he does speak French back to him yeah and then Primat chimes in and she's also speaking French and you see the look on Michael McKean's face and he's just like mother fucker dude <laughs> yeah he's like I thought I had you now the cool thing about that is that it's like actually a, a nice suspenseful moment like job well done yeah uh the bad thing is it's not really earned at all because you never <laughs> see them attempting to learn any language other than English. it's never explained how they learned french it's never explained why they know french when it was happening and the phone thing started ringing upstairs i thought it was transmitting the language to them oh that's see that's interesting and then it wasn't because it they really it's a phone call right but they, they never explain how they learn English either. So I guess no. they just know things because they have yeah. big-ass cone brains. Um, but, yeah, to your point, the phone upstairs rings. Yes. It doesn't make an auditory ringing sound. It's, it's like a light. But uh, they hear it anyway. And so Primat goes to get it. And uh, it's the intergalactic communicator. And someone is calling from Remulac. Yeah. And Primat's like, Beldar, you better get the phone. And he's like, tell them I'll call them later. And she's like, no, it's the big phone. You better get it. And then he's like, get out of my house. And he like kicks the people out. <laughs> yeah. uh, so he goes up to answer the phone call theoretically. But we don't actually get to see or hear the phone call. No. Uh, because we have to cut to a Halloween party, which makes perfect fucking sense. 
we learned about it five minutes ago, so we have to go Of course, go there. we're there now. Uh, I guess it justifies the costumes that they're wearing when the INS people come. Like, yeah, yeah, Those yeah. are the same costumes that they end up wearing to the Halloween party. I think, I think there's an implied time jump, but there doesn't feel like there well, is. Well, it's not it, – that's the problem for me here because there's an implied time jump, but it can't be that big. I think it's like a few hours it's maybe. A, but like the INS agents – and Connie and Ronnie and Beldar and Primat are all at this Halloween party. Yeah. And it, like, I get the sense that they went directly there, but then it also seems like it's been a long time and it's just really I, so, challenging. So my thing is when David Spade is listening to the fuck fest. Yes. Then Michael McKean shows up. Right. I think there's a few hours in between there because Michael McKean was not there before. Okay. Then, so then they're dressed up now. Then... They do the call, then we cut to the party, and it's dark outside now. Yes. So it's implied a few hours later. Okay. I'll buy it. It's yeah. poorly done, but I'll buy it. Also, this is the only time in the movie, with the exception of Tom Arnold being racist, that their heads are being used for a punchline. Yeah, that's true. The only time. And I honestly thought the Primats was the funniest. Well, and ironically, Halloween is the only time that they're actually trying to fit in yeah. with people. Like to cover their heads. I yeah. was like like you have a pretty obvious fucking costume. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like go as a cone head. <laughs> go as an alien. <laughs> uh but then I guess like that's how people have been seeing them the whole time. So Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like, you know, who are who are you really? Are you you when you're wearing a mask? You know, I'm like, Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> it's me. I like the theater. It doesn't like me back. <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, damn, dude. If John Wilkes Booth tried to shoot Abe Lincoln and he was a cone head, it would have been a bigger target. Fair enough. Woo! Um, so they're at the fucking Halloween party for some reason. Yes. Uh, Beldar finds Connie and pulls her away and is like, "Hey, the rescue vessel from Remulax coming tonight. Aren't you excited?" And she's like, "No, I want to stay here and fuck Ronnie forever. Like, yeah, I love him." And Beldar is like, "You can't even tell him that you're leaving. Not gonna happen." Uh, and she's like, I don't want to go to Remulac. Remulac fucking sucks. Uh, and then Beldar is like, yeah, he literally does that. I was like, what is that noise? Dude, I have no idea. He just like moans angrily. <laughs> I she's like, know what I love Ronnie. Yeah, like I love him so much. And he's just like, Urgh. I'm like, what is this? It says Beldar moans angrily in the script. <laughs> it has to. What the fuck else would it say? Or he just forgot his line. He was like, Argh. and they were like, all right, go with that, I guess. Vodka. <laughs> Buy my vodka. <laughs> um, so what the, where the fuck are we? He moans. She doesn't want to go to Remulac. And then Connie pulls the classic teenager guilt thing. It's like, if you really cared about me, you'd let me say goodbye to Ronnie. Yeah. And he's like, I don't really care. You know, fuck it. Um, but then, like, at the same time, uh, Remulac and Primat, Remulac, I'm sorry, Beldar and Primat are like, we want to say bye to Jason Alexander and his wife because they're like our friends. Yeah. And so they go like tell them like we're going away, but they don't say where and stuff. Um, and that's kind of cute. They're like, you know, we that have, was nice. We have yeah. Earth friends. Um, and Connie does a typical teenager thing and she just goes and tells Ronnie about it anyway. Um, and then Beldar wins the costume contest. But that's like oh, he wins the golfing. He wins the golfing thing. The golf thing? I thought he won the costume contest. No, he wins the uh, the golf tournament because earlier yeah. they're talking okay. about like him and Jason Alexander like. Yeah, but what if you win, Beldar? He's like, I do not care about winning. It is simply metal and wood. And he's like, yeah, oh. I know you care about it. He's like, mm, maybe. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. he, he wins that, whatever. 
he gets a trophy. Very exciting. Uh, back at home, Connie and Ronnie on the couch. Teenagers home alone, never a good thing. Uh, she pulls out the flower crown, yeah, which we learn is called a Cinso ring, which I think is an O-ring pun? Yeah, that sounds like a sex uh, thing. And then Beldar and Primat like, come in while they're Cinso ringing each other. Okay. <laughs> but Chris Farley's physical reaction to it is so funny. Oh, yeah. Because he's just like, ooh. <laughs> he's just like shaking. <laughs> like, it's so funny. Yeah. He very clearly just were like, go. You know what I mean? Like, he very clearly just did his own thing. And, yeah. he's, and he's like sweating. And it looks like he just had sex, which I think is very funny. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, if you read the fun facts on oh, God. IMDb, those are real Senso rings. So they were actually experiencing those. <laughs> oh, my those God. Feelings. I hate you. I know you do. Uh, yeah, so they they kind of kind of like mind fuck each other, I yeah. guess. Like, just like a Chris Angel kind of situation. Mind fuck. Um, are you ready? <laughs> one time I walked by Chris Angel at Disneyland, and I was close to him. Like close enough to go mind freak when I passed by, and I did it, and I think he was like, "God damn it!" He's probably like, "I hate people." It was awesome. I don't care if he hates <laughs> it. Um, so at this point, INS shows up, and the okay. sirens are blazing. Okay, they're ready to bring him in. They're going. So that's kind of good timing for Connie, because like distracts her parents from yelling at her about fucking Chris Farley on the living room floor. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so the INS is like yelling at Beldar to come out with his hands up. We see this motorcycle peel out of the property, drive away. Yeah. Then it crashes. And it turns out that it's actually Ronnie wearing the cone shaped helmet. And trying to a, create a diversion. And there was a pumpkin and something else next to him with the heads on yes, as well. That's yes. Uh, so he creates a diversion. The cone heads, Paul, like hop into the car pull out of the driveway but it's too late yeah the cul-de-sac is blocked off they're stuck there looks like they're gonna get caught and just then a tractor beam appears right over the car and it's the rescue vessel from remulac which for some reason was gonna take seven years to get there and then arrived in like 15 minutes so i don't yeah like it, how had, that works. it had been seven slurs or years or whatever they're called they called them yeah, it's like when you order an Uber, and it's like, your Uber's 40 minutes away, and then the driver texts you, he's like, I'm outside, you better get down here, or you're going to get charged, and you're like, what? You're like, I'm still in my little underwear. Yeah, my shoes on. <laughs> uh, so, so that happens, and then the tractor beam pulls up the car, and the INS guys, who just cannot fucking let it go, yeah, jump up and grab onto the car, yes. and get pulled into the spaceship. Yes, and the tractor beam is just a magnet, which I thought was very yeah, funny. Pretty much, it's just like a, like a trash tech. magnet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the uh, the cone heads get put into these kind of like cryogenic sleep sort of chambers, except yeah. they're really not chambers; they're just like cutouts in the wall. But they go in there. <laughs> it's like their beds. Yeah. yeah. You know then, what it is? It's the etern- the. Uh, eternals yeah it basically is the eternals thing yeah yeah it's uh, the same thing it's the same exact set actually they just reused it i am an eternal <laughs> i'm part of the marvel universe but i'll just mention thanos once and hope that you think it's related um so uh <laughs> versus thanos you are not a good person <laughs> i know i am inevitable i am beldar <laughs> Take one of my discs. <laughs> um, Starch disc. <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, so the Conan's go to sleep. The the Earth people who are on the ship, we just don't see them until we arrive. Well, they're in like a chamber. They're in like a pool. They're are they? Okay. Yeah, they're, for like a, they're in their underwear in a pool for like a second. But then here's the thing. I don't know how long this journey takes. No. I can't tell if it's like very quick because they do jump to light speed. They call it something else, but it's light speed. George yeah. Lucas wouldn't let him call it that. <laughs> uh, but they jump to light speed and then they arrive, but it's unclear if it's been weeks or an hour. Yeah, it's never really talked about. But I, my thing is like, why are you guys going to sleep if it's a short amount of time? I guess that's fair. You know, but maybe it's because they age so fast. They have a short to. amount of time moving at light speed. They would age it. Like maybe there's some science there. I don't think there is. <laughs> I don't think there's anything there. Uh, I'm trying to give it more credit than it deserves. Uh, but they blast out of orbit. The ship hits the moon and like dents it on the way. And they're like, oops. And then they just keep going. <laughs> yeah, it's like not funny. I'm like, that could be catastrophic. Like life on earth could fucking die. You could come back and Ronnie could just be like a corpse. <laughs> this is a very delicate balance of tides and things like that. You know, coastal winds and shit. Like who knows what's going to happen. Um, but they don't really seem to care because they're back on Remulac, which is this ugly ass industrial looking planet. With, like to be fair, it has like pretty pink clouds. It um, kind of looks like Cloud City. Yeah, a little bit. Bespin. Bespin? Yeah, yeah, Bespin. Okay. Bespin. Um, they've got some like giant stone statues, like Lord of the Rings style. Yeah. Uh, and then they've got these like kind of bubbly, typical like, like Mars style buildings that you see in a yeah. sci-fi movie. Um, and it looks pretty fucking ugly to be honest. Um, and then on the planet surface. The Coneheads are brought in front of this high master person who's played by Dave Thomas. Yeah. Not the Wendy's Not guy. that Dave Thomas. That's who I was thinking at first. I was like, oh, okay, square burgers, Coneheads, it all makes sense, you know? <laughs> no, this is uh, this is Strange Brew Dave Thomas. Yes, that's exactly what SCTV it is. Dave Thomas. Yes. Yeah, and he's pretty good as the high master. He doesn't really do anything, but yeah. he's not It's not bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you expect someone with some gravity. Yeah, and he does a pretty good he job. He does a fine job for not being, like, the it's, most A-list cameo in the yeah, movie. Yeah, it's kind of weird that, like, Dave Thomas seems to be, like, the last major cameo. Yeah. And it's Dave Thomas. It's interesting. Like, I would have maybe made this Kevin Nealon. Or, to your point, you could have even done John Lovitz as this guy. Yeah. That might have been better. Like, yeah, this just – this Dave Thomas is great. Don't get me wrong. But – it just felt like that should have been someone bigger. I was expecting something bigger. It's like, oh, it's Dave Thomas. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Neat. Um, Dave Thomas is not happy about the failed mission. Yes. He's like, you've been dicking around down there for a really fucking long time and you didn't do shit. Yeah. And if I were Builder, I'd be like, to be fair, I called you seven years ago <laughs> and you just came to get me. So it's kind of your fault, <laughs> you know, but like you don't like talk jokes on you, dickhead. Situation. Fuck off. <laughs> um, people down there are terrible. <laughs> don't worry. We we hit the moon. So half of the United States is yeah. dead. Yeah, we, we made a mess on the way out. <laughs> Uh, you know, that's just how they do. They broke the TV in their motel room too. So they haven't changed <laughs> that, that yeah. Um, he's not happy. So he goes, what gifts did you bring me to make up for your bullshit? Basically. Yeah. And Beldar didn't bring them any gifts. He, yeah. he did not think about that. Uh, so he just offers him whatever random shit he had in the car at the time that it was pulled up, <laughs> which I think is kind of fun. Yeah, that is funny. He's like, here is a tire iron. <laughs> 
here's an owner's manual for a Ford Lincoln Mercury Sable. And then he's like, here's this little dashboard icon thing, which is like a little compass and like a ball. Yeah. And then he goes, oh, and you can have these two human people as Earth slaves. Yeah. And the High Master is still like, not enough. You know, he's like not stoked about that. Uh, so then Beldar goes, you can have this pack of chewing gum. And then he gives him the condom. Yeah. So I told you the condom was coming back. Yeah. And the high master gets the condom and he's like, this is fucking awesome. This makes up for everything. You're free to go. So the condom was important. Yes. Uh, but not so fast. Because then the high master sees Beldar's teeth which are no longer sharp and pointy. They're Joe Biden teeth. Yeah. Uh, and he goes, the fuck did you do to your teeth, man? Altering your appearance is treason on yeah. Remulac, which is extreme, I think. Uh, and so as punishment for this crime, Beldar is sent to, quote, Narfel the Garthok. I hate this movie. Which basically means that he has to fight uh, like, a, like a monster that looks like a rancor. It does. It looks like it looks like a rancor fucked the Gamorrean guard. Yeah, this is exactly what it looks like, and it's like claymation. It honestly does not look bad. It could be worse. It could, but it could I, be a Primus music video as well. I genuinely was like, oh, it's not awful. They they definitely like don't use it a lot. No, they like barely show it because they're like we. This is a lot. It was kind of probably expensive, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, this is very nice. Not uh, <laughs> some guy was like, you want me to make what out of clay? <laughs> How many poses does it have to have? God damn. Um, so they go to this coliseum full of conehead spectators, and they're, like, making stupid jokes about, like, these seats are better than our last seats. Which <laughs> is, like, a, okay. All right, fine, whatever. Um, and there's a couple of guys who have to battle the Garthok before Beldar, and one of them is Tim Meadows. <laughs> who shows up literally. I don't want to battle the Garthak. Oh, too bad. Okay. And then he like gets ripped in half. Yeah, he gets ripped in half. So he, you know, he's a ladies man. He's not a Garthok's man. <laughs> uh, and then this other guy goes up and he gets fucking decapitated or whatever. Yeah. And then they like skip Beldar and go to the <laughs> next guy. And the next guy's like, he was next. <laughs> and Beldar's like, no, go ahead. <laughs> and it was actually kind of fun. I did. Um, I did. <laughs> it's the scenes. That are not playing off like alien. It's just the the genuine human like humor of it. Yeah, that's when this movie's funny. I agree. Like, like no, no, no. He called you. Yeah, <laughs> but you were next. You were. He was in front of me in the line. No, go ahead. <laughs> and then that guy gets fucking killed, for sure. Um, and then Beldar goes into the ring, and then he spends a lot of time just kind of like running around, like running around and maneuvering away. <laughs> And then he steps in Garthok shit for some reason. Like, that doesn't really play into the plot at all. He just does it. And then he starts singing Tainted Love for some reason. Because <laughs> no, it was earlier. But 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 what is the point of singing it in this moment? Because, okay, so here's here's what happens. Is he stabs the Garthok in the eye and it breaks the spear. Yes. And then he's realizing what he has to do. Like, to, to defeat the Garthok, he has to use the things he's learned on Earth. So he's luring the garthok by going sometimes i feel i've got to bump bump. <laughs> yeah he does the bump, bump. which is fun it is fun <laughs> and he's turning his spear into a golf club right and so he's getting the garthok to like notice him so he comes out and then he the so garthok he's singing to buy himself time to make the golf club yes okay 
And so, like, but almost to alert to alert the Garthok where he is so he can, like, aim it perfect. Right. Because he wants to see the Garthok, too. Yes, he wants to be lined up with it because yeah. he's going to basically line drive the rock <laughs> into, its, into throat. its throat and kill it that way. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Like, one thing that you do in movies and good movies is you give characters unique skills and then they use those skills to solve some kind of problem in the movie. And it's yeah. like they actually fucking do that in this movie, which is one of the it, reasons why it's, I like it. Yeah, it's not – that was not – I was like – I was happy that there was a setup and a payoff. Yes. Yeah. It was pretty good. Yeah. Um, and because he beats the Garthok, he gets to make one request from the High Master. Yeah. And so he asks to go to Earth and enslave the Blunt Skulls, which is kind of like, what? I thought you liked it there. Yeah. I was um, like, I, but you know, I didn't, be, I didn't believe it. I, I didn't was believe like, it either. I was like, oh, he's just going to go and say, oh, I'm doing it, but he's not going to do it. Like, okay. But see, like, if he gets – if it's like a genie wish, he could have said, I just want to go back Yeah. anyway. But turns out he had a plan. So his request is granted, and then he's like, let me take the Earth Slaves back too. And they're like, you can have one. And he's like, then I want the one who has a higher position or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Which, again, is part of his plan because he wants someone with leverage. And so David Spade is left behind <laughs> on Remulac, and he doesn't seem to give a shit about it. No, he does not care. He, and in fact, he kind of like – he's like standing next to the High Master, and the High Master's assistant comes up, and he's like, hey, you know what? And David Spade's like, no, why don't you just let me take care of that? Yeah, you know, he does. He's having, like... a, he's having a tough day. Uh, and so he's like, I'm just going to make myself indispensable to this High yeah. Master guy and like live out the rest of my days on – Remulac. Remulac, where I have to fucking eat light bulbs, I guess. I don't. He didn't. I don't think he thought it all through. <laughs> is my point. Uh, so he stays, and then we're back in space at the Earth's atmosphere. So the request granted. We're going back, and there's a whole fleet of ships from Remulac ready to fuck up Earth, basically. Yeah. Um, and they are waiting for Beldar to give the attack order. Yes. Beldar's ship lands, and his family gets out along with. Michael McKean. And then he radios the other ships and he's like, oh shit, the earth people are attacking. You got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So he sends all of the other ships away. And then just like the firework at the school, he sends up his own ship and blows it up in the atmosphere and it explodes. And everyone from Remulac thinks that he and his family are all dead. Yeah. So there's no reason why they would come back looking for them. Basically, he's just returned them to Earth. It was a foolproof plan. Yeah. Um, and so people live happily ever after. Ronnie and Connie get to go to prom together. Yes. Uh, he does get, like, nuclear burns on his face <laughs> from the family photo that they take before the prom. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't seem to mind. And there, they does cast the shadow super hard on yeah. the wall, which I like. Yeah, like a Ray Bradbury story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then uh, Beldar asks Ronnie to have 55 words with him and then says 55 Did words. Did you count? Which is a really fucking stupid joke. No, I didn't. But I've heard it on so many podcasts and on so many little tribute pages. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's actually 55 it's 55 that's yeah. kind of funny kind of fun kind of unnecessary but hey, yeah whatever well it's like can i have a word oh can i have 55 like it's yeah because he doesn't get it yeah but like that's not like like counting well hasn't been a skill that they've employed in the remainder yeah but i think misunderstanding the human language has yeah i guess that's true so beldar's rain man or whatever and then <laughs> five and, beans five beans <laughs> 127 toothpicks and drive slow in the driveway. Um, then the movie's over. Yeah. That's it. And then the credits roll, 
And it, the, it here's there's one more thing oh, we have to talk about. Oh, we're gonna talk about this because the credits start off with like a normal song. Yes. And normal credits, and you're like, okay, great, it's done. And then, uh, then the song begins. Yes. <laughs> that is called Conehead Love. And yes. it's fucking horrible. And it's sung by Dan Aykroyd mm-hmm. and uh, what's her name? Jane Curtin. Jane Curtin. As Beldar and Primat. And then there's also someone who can actually sing named Nan Schaefer in there who's doing some stuff. But the chorus is like, don't want to hold my cone alone. And then the <laughs> woman's like, you'll never hold your cone alone. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it's so bad. And it's almost five minutes long. It is stupid long. It's awful. And it's on Spotify. And I listened to it again today. It's on Spotify? Yeah. The lyrics just explain what happens in the movie. <laughs> it's kind of like Dog Police. <laughs> so I think oh, what we have to do. Why can't we escape I, this? I think that we are legally obligated yeah. to make a Spotify playlist of all the songs from these movies. We have one song from each because, yeah, because wait a minute. Because so far they've all had a Well, has Shakes had a song? Uh, I don't remember. But Going Overboard had that weird uh, that weird reggae song that yeah. I didn't know if it was real. Yeah. Uh, dog Police has Dog Police. Yep. Shakes the Clown, I'm sure we can find something. Conehead says... Co- yeah. Don't we gotta, want to hold my cone alone. Oh, God. Okay. Yep. So we'll get on that. But <sighs> but so that's, that's Coneheads, man. Uh, it sucks. How do you feel? I hated it. It was so boring. I told you this off mic. This was the Uncle Rico of, of like, comedy movies. <laughs> and where you have to explain that to the people. Uncle Rico, the character from Napoleon Dynamite, is just, like, he's very clearly past his prime. He has, he has so much potential, and it's all been wasted. That's this movie. So much potential. Yep. So much comedy potential is in this movie, and it is most of it is wasted. Okay. Fair. Like, I, I, I disagree. Ugh. I like it. And mm. maybe it's just because I liked it when I was little. Yeah, and there's like I have no nostalgia for, for this it. movie. So I have I, none. I do, but as I was going through and preparing for today's episode, I was realizing that it's really like not very well done. There's a lot of like bad cuts yeah. and quick cuts and useless scenes, and it does feel like a collection of unused SNL material that's just been sort of stitched together by a plot. That said, I think this maybe has the most coherent plot. Of anything we've watched so far. Yeah, I would say, ooh, I don't know about that. I don't know about Shake's Clown. I would say it. Okay. And I did. Okay. So that's my opinion. Yeah. So, so yeah. I feel like this is leading us into our rankings. Our rankings. Would, and so, you have to go first. I think the... the that's fine. The uh, pattern we've established is whoever is leading the episode allows the other person to rank first. Do you want me, do you want me to start from the top or the bottom? I would like you to start from the bottom, and then now we're here. Oh, my God. Number four, obviously, going overboard. Same. Number three, Coneheads. Not the same. Number two, Dog Police. Number one, Shakes the Clown. Okay. That's – you bumped it lower than I expected. I I think that there will be stuff that goes under it, but I – if. If we've talked about this, didn't we say that Shakes the Clown is kind of the middle? We think that that's going to be kind of the it middle ground. Be, yeah. I think that this – so based on that, I think this is below average. Okay, so you're grading on a curve. Well, I'm just saying that I, if I think that Shakes the Clown is a medium yeah, or like a middle of the road, I think this is this is 
lower than dog police for sure. Okay, that's I I understand your reasoning and I find that fair. <laughs> However, I would love to hear yours. I have going overboard in last place. Yeah, of course, I'm sure it will remain probably for a very long time. Maybe <laughs> when we watch the cobbler, that will change. But for now, there it is. Oh, I was thinking Jack uh, and Jill, but you're right. The cobbler might <laughs> the cobbler might throw some, it. Some things are going to happen to this podcast. Uh, the dog police is in third. Then shakes the clown. What? Then Coneheads. Coneheads is number one for me right now. Wow. Yeah. You have Coneheads above average. I have it above shakes the clown. Which, okay, fair, fair, fair. I'm not, when I was a teacher at San Jose State, I was told that I had to grade on a curve. And I would get in trouble if I didn't give a certain number of students Fs. Fair. I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> and unlike San Jose State, you're not paying me $4 an hour. That's so fair. I don't have to listen to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not paying you anything. Wait, what? <laughs> so so that's interesting, though, because, yeah, because I think, I think from here on in is where we're really going to start to hit some major differences. Yeah, I think we will, too. Because, like, I, I was thinking, oh, it's not going to – I thought I was going to love Coneheads. And I think the reason I rated it so low is because of how much it disappointed me. Yeah, that's fair. You know what I mean? Your the, expectations did not meet the reality. They were so high. Yep. And it just, like, this just shit the bed. Yeah. And you're bound to not like it if that's the case. Yeah. That's why I liked Justice League, because I thought I was really going to dislike it. And I was like, it wasn't that bad. You know? Like, <laughs> well, sometimes. The original one? Yeah. I thought it was going to be like having my hernia surgery while I was awake. <laughs> and mean, it wasn't like that. So I was uh, happy. That's fair. You know? Hey, um,. <laughs> If we don't do this enough, I realize that every time after we stop recording, I realize we don't do this. If you want to send us an email, where can you send us an email? Oh, you can send us an email to our email address, which is sandliverspod at gmail.com. Thank you. I forgot it. So the setup was a little bit of a of a, of a hard thing. That's but okay. I remember the other one. What's the other one? The other one is only for Sandler. Yes. Gmail.com. And of course, you may only use that one if you are named Adam Sandler. You don't have to be the Adam Sandler. You yes. have to be an Adam Sandler, or, or someone who is related to Adam Sandler, or has a connection, way. like a like a work connection. Yeah, I would say because because here's the thing: we don't want to we don't want to hedge ourselves here. We don't want to say, oh, it's only people who are related or named Adam Sandler, because then like if yes. if we got an email from David Spade, I want it to go to only for Sandler. That's fair enough. So it's like if even if you work with or have worked with someone named Adam Sandler. Okay. Because Shaq could email. That, that's true. I would also say this. We're not getting a lot of emails. <laughs> no, I don't, think, so, I don't uh, think we're getting any. So, you know, we're not going to complain if we get one. That's fair. I will also say that if you do like the podcast, please rate, review us. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on all the major things. And if or, you don't like it, don't rate it. Just fuck if, off. If you didn't like it, I was going to think of a, like a – we're the Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> If you enjoyed your meal, my name has been Sarah. If you didn't like your meal, my name has been Ron. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Um, Cheesecake Factory. But I uh, – no. So, so yes. Yeah. So, if, please, review us. It really helps the show. It really does it help does. the show if, if we get reviews. So, please. It's actually probably the most helpful thing yes. for the show. And we can't even really do it for ourselves. <laughs> I mean, we have from every account that we own. But, yeah. you know, like, we need help. So help us. So, hey, hit that five stars if you like it. And if it's a nice review, we'll read it on the show. Yeah, and if it's a mean one, we'll read it too. (laughs) 
If it's a mean one, we'll read it and laugh. You can rate us five stars, but then say something horrible. How about this? How about this? How about this? You, okay, only if you rate us five stars, you you can say something nice, but you also, like, no matter what, in your five-star review, there has to be a mean thing, too. Yeah. Yeah, we want a compliment sandwich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We want, like, a love, Andrew, don't like Ruben, the music is great. Like, I want, like, <laughs> like I want, like... I, if it's a five star review, you have to include something mean. So yeah, then it's pe- only fair. People we need who to improve. Well, the, but then people who don't know what's happening are like, all these five star reviews are like, fuck these guys, I five know. stars. And as you guys know, the main goal of this podcast is to confuse people. Yeah. So, do your part. That's fair. Do your part. Um, would you? Do you have anything? Uh, not really. I have a little bit of a stomach ache, but I'm fine. Um, Idiot. No, I, I have another podcast. It's yes. called 1999, The Year That Rocks Cinema. We actually recorded yesterday, which is cool because we hadn't recorded in like six months before that. Hell yeah. So we're going to try a season format. Oh. Uh, so pay attention in like May or June. <laughs> can I can I say that people have already asked me what we're going to do with this podcast after we get through every Sandler movie? Oh, we're going to watch them backwards. <laughs> we're going to memento them. We're going to cut them all up. No, I did have other ideas. Would you like to hear another idea sure. that I had? I, I did Google this because there is another podcast with a similar name. Uh, I wanted to call it Despite All My Rage, a podcast about Nicolas Cage. Okay. There is a podcast called Despite All My Rage, I Am Stuck walking, Watching Nicolas Cage. No. Oh. But they stopped uploading in like 2018. Oh, well, so. fuck them then. <laughs> yeah, it's ours now, baby. It's not like the other two Adam Sandler podcasts that still upload very frequently. <laughs> They're kind uh, of fun. They are fun. Yeah. I uh, I have another podcast called Contested Mother Approved. It's much more wholesome than this, and it's it's very it's very different. I don't. It's, that's very true. Yeah. I don't say cusses on it. I he, say he I doesn't. drink and say cusses on this. Yes. I don't say them on that show. Yeah. Drink water on that show. <laughs> yeah, just drink water. And this one, you drink clam beer. <laughs> I'm allergic it's, to shellfish, and Ruben <laughs> brought clam beer. It's not clams. It's oyster. What's stuff. the difference? The EpiPen's the same. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, be fair, he brought a nice beer for me that I can drink as well. So. Hey, what are we watching? What are we watching next week? Well, we watched Coneheads this week. Yes. So next week we are watching Airheads, and we are still going in chronological order. It just happens to be a coincidence that those two are yes. back to back. So, but most of the same cat. Not most of, but well, a lot of the same people. Five, yeah. right? Five. Yeah. This is, I think, about five. Honestly, kind of surprising that some people in that movie didn't show up. And, like, kind of surprised Buscemi's just not in this movie. That's true, but he will be in that one. Oh, I'm so excited. As will Brendan Fraser. I cannot believe that's the only time he's going to show up on this podcast, but I can't fucking wait. Who knows? He could be in Hubie Halloween, too. <laughs> to be Halloween. God damn you. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>